it's Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> It's the Benz Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long truths. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. Like a wig. Over struggle edges, I will lay me down like a wig over struggle edges. I will lay me down. <laughs> That's not my song. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me go to my actual song. That one just came to me as I was getting ready to record. Um, and I wished you the best of all Brexit could give. And you told me when I left you. There's nothing to forgive, but I always thought you'd come back and tell me the other members brought heartbreak and misery. It's hard for me to say I'm jealous of the way the EU is happy without me. Said it's hard for me to say I'm jealous of the way The EU is happy without me (laughs) Cause Britain is crying The United Kingdom is crying (laughs) Um, So in case you didn't know that that the other song, the the, the longer song is Labyrinth, uh, Jealous. I think it's called Jealous of the Way or is it just called Jealous? That song's a banger. That song is banger. It, like the way that it's constructed musically, it's not any of my 90s and noughties themed um, usual songs, but I just love the way that the song is actually put together. There's this break in the middle or this, uh, is it a bridge? I don't know. Like there is, it, it feels very like musical theatre-esque. Um, so I, I just, I greatly enjoy that song. And yeah, it's just really well written. And, you know, you think about that. I think that that's the, 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 the real core of a lot of heartache when people break up. Uh, whether it's friendships, I'm not just, it doesn't have to necessarily just be um, romantic uh, relationships in that sense. But when people break up, it's more the fact that, fam, how are you continuing to live while I'm here crying, while I'm here hurting, what the fuck is this? What, what do you mean? Um, so yeah, it's hard for me to say I'm jealous of the way that you're happy without me. It's more like you kind of hope that their whole life will crumble when 
um, things end with you. And even if it is inside, you can't really see it because obviously everyone puts on a performance that they call a life. Um, so you can't really see it. But um, yeah, I just I just really like that song. Yeah. So I thought I'd share that with you. And in case you're wondering who's speaking right now. It's me, Kalechi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What, that's right, Suck Your Mum. I don't know if this ice cream van is going to come and disrespect the thing again. Like, I, it doesn't matter what time I fucking record this thing, that ice cream van shows the fuck up. Um... I don't know where I'm getting this vocal energy from because I ran 11 and a half miles today and I, I feel, I feel like my body's slowly kind of being like, ha ha girl, you tried it upon breastfeeding and doing all of the things you really, you really are trying it. Um, but hopefully it will let me, you know, the energy will last to, to, to see this uh, episode through. And obviously this episode um, features a wonderful, wonderful um, Wendell Pierce, uh, who's uh, one of the stars of the film Clemency. So Clemency is now out in, well, I want to say out in cinemas, but yeah, I guess so, because I guess they're open. But you can watch it on clemencythefilm.co.uk and it's brilliant. Um, the protagonist is a character called Bernadine Williams and uh, she's a warden at a prison where, you know, on death row, she's a warden on death row and she has to see, oversee the executions of these men. And we just basically, as the audience, get to see how she kind of unravels um being a black woman doing this thing uh being a human doing this thing you know like but more specifically being a black woman doing this thing and um when she's faced with you know here's a black man that we don't know if he actually did it we don't know if he should i mean i don't think anyone me personally yeah i feel like when it comes to the death sentence or death penalty i'm not feeling it capital punishment i'm not feeling it but if you're gonna say oh some people deserve it eye for an eye or whatever the fuck surely you'd say it um when you're 100 percent certain that someone's done the thing and in this case they're not certain but you know he's on death row so that's played by um i think aldous hodge um yeah they, they're just he, he was in underground i think that's where i yeah i saw him in underground that's where i saw him and he's he's really really um he's really good in that but anyway i'm in this episode for share your magnificence i will be speaking with uh wendell pierce and but we'll get into that shortly i feel like i'm very much uh getting ahead of myself but i just wanted to tell you that because i'm so excited i'm really really excited like just wonderful things uh, keep happening, you know, in terms of the podcast and doing things like this. And I greatly enjoy it. At least I get to talk about subjects like, you know, that matter to me and how it links to books, how it links to films. Um, yeah, I just think it's brilliant. So, yeah, I'll tell you more about Wendell Pierce and all of them things shortly. But, uh, yeah, let's get into the tarot is what we should be doing before I keep uh, going on and on. Um so how are you? How is your heart? As I mentioned last week from our good sis, Natalie, how is your heart? How are you feeling while listening to this? Check in with yourself. Give yourself a moment. You know, not every day hustle and bustle, not every day running up and down, up and down. Check in with yourself. I know that a lot of you have started going back out. How is that feeling for you? 
going to restaurants, living your best life, dressing up? Is it feeling the way that it usually would? Probably not, but you don't want to admit that to yourself. But that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to drag a single body. Yeah, I'm just here to just talk the things and that's it. So, um, yeah, center yourself. Give yourself a moment. And I'd like you to think of which pile your soul feels called to this week. I'm so glad that last week's piles seem to really, really resonate with a lot of you. And it just, I feel blessed to be able to bring the message through, honestly. Um, same with the patrons on Patreon. I'm glad that the your one-to-one readings uh, are banging for you. And even the, you know, the piles the extra piles that i do on patreon as well for everybody i'm glad that that's really really resonating with you one of the sweetest things happened i just thought off on the off chance let me send a picture of the extra message that i do on patreon i thought let me send a picture to my mum and ask her to pick a pile and she picked um her pile and then she messaged me i should actually read out the message because it made me so happy and it made me cry a little bit because um you know it matters uh, the, the kind of journey and the relationship I've had and I, um, with my mum is one where I've always had to kind of feel like I had to battle for her to see me or for her to see or to accept, like, I'm not going to follow this route in life. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to be a lawyer. That's not what I want to do. I want to do this thing. And I know that it's always kind of worried her, especially when you're like a single parent as well. You're like, ah, ah, Matua Shirimi, like, don't go and disgrace me outside. Please, 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 please. But, you know, as we've grown um in parallel to each other like she's embraced a lot of stuff and tarot is one of them like she's really just let me kind of fly doing my tarot so anyway I told her to pick a pile and she picked it and then she messaged me um and she said um hmm my daughter the tarot reader kudos to you I said ha 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 thank you and then she said oh my god it's incredible we need to talk and I was just like okay and she was like well I it was spot on and I said, oh, f- thank you. And then she said, um, um, it's spot on for me. Thank you, dear daughter. I think you've been chosen to do this. It's unbelievable. <sighs> when I tell you that that caught me in the gut, because it's not like I necessarily need validation for doing this, but I feel like if I'm perfectly honest, I do it and I try to kind of distance myself from it because I just think, um, yeah, maybe like people won't take me seriously. I swear a lot and I do this and I do that. But at the same time, I, I, I know the surge of energy and the things that I see in here when I am doing it. And when I'm not, you know, just going about my daily life, I feel like the more things I clear out of my life, the more space I have to receive a lot of these things. So I don't really know where I'm being called to. If I'm honest, even the studio, I don't know what's where. Yeah, the studio is not. Every time I pull cards on it, basically, it's just like, sis, it's not the time to go back. It's not the time to reopen. It's not the time to do any of that stuff because it's just not stable ground. You need to be elsewhere. You need to be elsewhere. So I'm st- still trying to bat- like not battle that, but juggle that and figure out how all of that is going to look going forward. But it's a lesson for myself, really. Like when spirit is saying you need to let something go so greater can come, it's not really for you to now start doing um, all the equations and the formulas to try and figure out how it's all going to happen because spirit will make it happen. God will make a way where you think there is none. So yeah, I'm just really processing all of that at the moment. But to get that message from my mum was almost like spirit's way of saying like, 
even the people that you don't think you're touching, like you are touching them in a great way. And the more that you step into um, this light and you step into this calling, um, not just in the terms of tarot, but the kind of just the, you know, the things that I do and how I um, conduct myself or whatever, the more I step into that lane, yes, there'll be people who want to come against me because they feel like I'm deviating from black British womanhood or how we should all be doing this or how any of this is done. Um, and that will feel hurtful at times, but it is what it is because there has to be a different way for us to do all of this. So, um, yeah, really, I just, I don't know why I went off, but I just, yeah, I just wanted to say that, um, big up my mum in it, big up my mum for just, you know, just accepting me as I am, you know, you, you know, eventually, you know, we, we were getting there you know, and, you know, it, it means a lot that this resonates with her and she trusts me and she just kind of lets me flow with it. So I guess that what I'm really saying by that is that there are people out there who the moment that they want to try and say something or they want to say something disrespectful in my direction, they'll bring up the tarot cards. And before I used to want to cuss them out and tell them how their mother's pussy's frowsy, um, tell them how, let me know. But I'd want to do that. But then it's just for me to understand that this isn't for everybody to understand. And everyone comes to, everyone finds the, the what they need to find if they ever do. They do it on their own terms and they do it eventually. So they're not really um, offending me. They're just letting me know. They're communicating to me their lack of understanding about this thing. So I can't get offended with what they're saying because imagine like having that closeness with spirit feeling like I did a reason the other day when I was, you know, pretty much having like a chat with my dad or picking up on my dad's energy. And it was so beautiful. Like I cried. It was just beautiful. It was so filled with love. And I, and it made me think of just how little sometimes I feel that sort of love, like that kind of unconditional um, love from another realm almost like it, it, it was just it was just incredible and I was doing that and I was thinking like right like this gives me such access to learning that goes beyond this physical realm that the, the support that goes beyond this physical realm like why am I getting distracted by mere mortals like people that don't that are so disconnected from their spirit self that all they can do is hate on other people who are making that connection like you just have to let people be who they be in it like I'm, I'm not you can't force the horse to water and you can't force it to drink so I'm not doing either I'm not forcing you to the water and I'm not forcing you to drink the thing it's up to you if you want to be dehydrated and crusty that's your personal problem. But um, anyway, you're probably there like, I've picked my pile, ho. Can you just read the thing? So <laughs> pick between pile one, pile two, and pile three. The message this week that I was um, really trying to bring through was who am I? When you ask yourself like that, that like, who am I? And this isn't necessarily talking to who you are but this is speaking to that space when you're not trying to pick labels all the time for yourself like your existence beyond labels who is that you know and I and I think that that's what I'm exploring right now there are these labels that yes that have been put upon me and the labels that I have chosen uh, but beyond that beyond those because those only make sense here when you're trying to um, interact or individualize yourself between yourself and other human beings. But beyond that, beyond those labels, who are you? Who am I? 
So I'm really trying to listen out and listen in rather for what that message is. So that was the theme for me when I was pulling the cards, like who am I in terms of like, what is the calling? What is the alignment? What is the path? And uh, so you've got pile one, pile two and pile three. Pile one, the first card is the Knight of Pentacles that, and I, th- I think this image is beautiful because you see a figure. I'm using the Lisa Stell Modern Witch Tarot deck. So you see a figure on a dark horse and they're holding one coin. This week, I read that coin as your soul, like your, your spirit, your light, your internal light. The whole time that light is shining, you at the core of your being, you know who you are and you know just how beautiful and you are and how much you are connected to source. There are moments, there are times when you get glimpses of your own divinity. But what's happening is that there's an internal battle going on. And I think that the Lisa style modern witch tarot deck is very interesting that the five of wands, which is the next card that you get, um, they've all got masks on and they're fighting with their wands. So there's a conflict taking place inside you. And I think that that conflict is... um, informed by what's happening on the outside and more so during this um koro koro time um you're really really kind of at odds with yourself like who do people think i am outside who does my family think i am and who am i truly who when will my reflection show who i am inside when will my reflection show anyway a little bit of christina aguilera for your blood clot no sorry back to the reading um yeah that's pretty much it like you're waiting for your outward um, environment to reflect back to you who you truly are so until someone gives you validation from the outside that you know what you are divine you are you know amazing you are this you are that you're not going to believe it but the thing is you have the world that you see on the outside is part of what we're also creating on the inside like this is a a collective I would say miscreation really what we're seeing playing out in society and I think that why all of this is happening energetically or how all of this is playing out energetically is that spirit I feel like God is trying to reconfigure and recalibrate our miscreations to something that would allow us to evolve and um how that's playing out is more of us are speaking up i'm finding so many people i'm emailing um the podcast now and it's like i'm i'm finding my voice and i'm not taking any of this fuck shit anymore and all of that stuff so there's this energy of people suddenly realizing the strength that they have and realizing who they've always been on the inside and then letting that show up and then when that shows up in in response to that the they're out their outward environment has to change because it has to make space for who they truly are it just has to it has to and that's what's playing out here i think in the um knight of coins and the five of wands is like feeling that connectedness literally to earth because pentacles is earth energy in it feeling that connectedness to earth and then letting that ignite the flames within you to go out and do something but at the moment you're still having that conflict where you are in the journeys that you're still having that conflict on the inside like oh but what will people think of me if i show up as who i truly am what if i start speaking out more what will that mean in my workplace what would that mean in my relationship what would that mean in my family fuck all of that fam fuck all of that 
you haven't got time to be doing all of that and worrying about all of these things because you 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 just have to show up you know time is relative rare 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 but time you know you you still have to make haste and and show up and present yourself as who you are that it's really just that simple the message from the angels card that you get is yes the timing is right for this new venture a happy outcome follows your positive expectations um and that's really it the time is now all of this delaying that you're doing like oh i'll show up as who i truly am when i move to my new job or i'll show up as who i truly am um once we get past um you know three dates fam if the person is gonna not rock with you um for showing up as who you are on a first date or whatever why do you want to make it all the way to four dates you know they're still not going to rock with if you feel like they're not going to rock with the vibe they're not going to rock with the vibe like you know on an inner level um how that's going to play out the extended message from um isabella angel isabella is in answer to your question yes this situation is everything that you hoped it would be it's still a good idea to keep your eyes open and pray for angelic assistance along the way even ideal situations require adjustments as you move forward however we angels foresee smooth sailing with this decision the opportunity is even more favorable because of the timing several pieces of the puzzle are um, have now fallen into place you have also learned some invaluable lessons that have prepared you your patience has paid off and now is the time to for you to reap the rewards take bold steps while listening to the wise guidance of your heart as you move forward fearlessly exactly that's like the knight of coins energy like it's it's stationary the horse isn't moving in the knight of pentacles but the coin is there like you've assessed the situation but this is your heart your soul self i feel like your god self is um, assess the situation and this is the time that it wants to emerge and so you have to make space for that rather than this conflict that you keep doing back and forth and not letting your true self come to the fore so that's that for pile one pile two three it's funny because two cards came out first and then another card flew out while i was picking for pile three so i just thought that that was very interesting the cards that came out the first card is the lovers in reverse um and the message i get from this is like the person in part two is not in alignment with what their soul wants. They're focused on, I want to say like being the right person to the outside world or, or um, being in a relationship, for instance, that doesn't even serve their, their higher self. It's, it's something that takes you out of alignment. It's something that it's, it's shifting you further away from discovering who you are. There is a situation, there is an outward situation that's shifting you away from who you are internally. Um, and it's about finding that because when we look at the lover's card in upright, we see two figures almost like they're in the garden of Eden holding hands. And um, there's the angel God um, above them. And when that's upright, you think about that. You think about the fact that you're blessed, you're in alignment. You, you're being given all that you desire in this garden. But the energy that's coming through is the kind of um, energy when we look at Eve, for instance. Uh, forget Adam, fuck Adam. But we're looking at, look at that ice cream van has arrived. But we're looking at um, Eve and how she goes to the tree 
And initially she's happy being naked. And then she goes to the tree of knowledge, eats from it. And it's like, rah, I'm naked. Fuck this. Um, and I listen to Eckhart Tolle sometimes. And he talks about the fact that it was, that's almost a metaphor. What's happening in the garden of Eden was a metaphor for how we kind of separated ourselves from God and started to kind of behave as if we are because we have the power to create but a lot of what we've done is just miscreation we've just fucked around and what we've got is all of this um there are beautiful bits obviously but just generally in a societal sense so if we're looking at for me specifically looking at the global west and this is what we now have and thereafter when people talk about god they're really talking about I feel like in some senses, especially in the Old Testament, they're talking about their shallow, uh, their shadow self as like they projected onto God who they want God to be. Um, so God is a jealous God. God is this. God is a God of anger. God is like, God's just like, fam, I'm chilling, you know, I'm, I'm actually chilling. I just love you. Like you're part of me. Like I, I just love you. All the other things that you're doing, that's on you, fam. And that's what I genuinely feel like. Um, this course forward, the power that you do have on the inside, uh, you know, that you, that you inherently born with, that your inner divinity is being misused or being ignored, even uh, not acknowledged because you're so focused on your physical body, your physical existence. And that physical existence is going to find more physical ex um, existences and moving you further away from your spiritual body, from your spiritual existence. And it's about realigning yourself with that because the pro when you don't align yourself with that, what's actually then playing out is that you're the queen of wands in reverse. So the power that you do have to, to, to grow things, to create things in the physical realm is being misused. Like it is being misused or you're not able to tap into the power at all. You're not able to tap into your true queen like power at all, because on a spiritual level, you're, you're a bit too focused on choosing the things that don't align with your highest good. It's like, you'll see it and you'll be like, mm, well, you know, this is what I want. You know, this is what I want. And this is, this is what I think will serve me right now. But why do you keep wanting things that will serve you right now and not thinking about the long term? So the card that then flipped out that wanted to come out on top of that is the page of wands. And I feel like this card has come out to kind of, um, and that came out upright. And I think that that card came out almost as um, a way to say, this is time to start exploring your inner life. This is time to start exploring and kind of recalibrating your spiritual uh, frequency and getting yourself back on track because there's a lot of work for you to do as an individual and as part of the collective. And you have to get yourself back on the timeline that will serve you best. Yeah, because the timeline that you're currently fucking with ain't fucking with you. Yeah. So it's getting yourself back onto the timeline that will serve you best and take your time, you know, so you have to use that page of one's energy to eventually explore and grow in the Lisa Star uh, uh, deck. You see that the land is almost like a desert and this person is um, exploring and trying to figure it out. I don't know why she's wearing. No, she's not the one wearing sneakers. There's one where the girl's wearing sneaker wedges and it really pisses me off, but she's just wearing normal sneakers. But 
it's going to feel empty. It's going to feel dry at first. It's unexplored land for you. Going into your internal space is unexplored land for you. You're probably someone that likes to be very cerebral about everything. Like this doesn't make any sense. I think this tarot stuff is stupid, but yet you still listen every week. So, um, that's really the message and the message from the um, angel uh, messages from your angel deck is uh, angel Zana. And it says you are protected from all types of harm. The worst is now behind you. I ask you to f- relax and feel safe. And I think that that's an interesting card also to get with this, because I feel like sometimes as a way to protect ourselves from um, trauma, um, you know, when something has happened that has changed your whole life completely, some people just shut down, especially when it feels like it was out of your control, you shut down and then you just try as much as possible to just exist um, physically and focus on the external world and not think about what's happening in your internal world. And so this is the time really to start working through um, that trauma to, so you can realign yourself and it and it's baby steps. That's why the page of wands is there because it's baby steps. But once you get, you, you know, the, the goal is that you will become that queen of wands once you start to kind of look and kind of ex- excavate all of these um, things that have kind of lay dead or dormant within you, bring them all to the fore and you're able to then move forward. Um, the additional message from Zana is no matter what has happened in your past, your present and future are now safely protected by angels. I'm helping you to heal from past upsets or trauma. I'm helping you to heal your heart of worry or fear. I'm here to help you release any self-sabotaging thoughts or behavior. I am here, in other words, to help you enjoy a renewed sense of safety and peace of mind. The other angels and I stand guard around you, your home, your family, your vehicles, and your workplace. You can rest assured that no lower energies can permeate our protective field. We only allow the energy of love to enter wherever you or your loved ones reside. All expressions of fear are transmuted back to the field of illusions from whence they came. God and the angels ask that you relax and enjoy yourself for your happiness brings a smile to heaven there you go sure ice cream fan come and make up your blood clot noise i really should just refrain from all of my swearing on this pod but that was pile two moving on to pile three um pile three very very interesting who am i remember is the question or you know that it's the it's the meditative thought it's the meditative uh, intention part three you get the high priestess part three you are the high priestess beautiful card beautiful the high priestess who is able to use their sexual energy their wisdom their just their divine feminine um energy to educate the masses to bring us all closer to alignment to bring us all closer to our healing this is the high priestess standing over a crescent moon this is the job of the high priestess that for the fact that it came up upright you already know that you're the high priestess you already know that you where you are in your community you command a lot of um authority and people look to you and that is there's lots of responsibility there 
Um, and the second card that comes out is the sun card, which I always see, you know, the little figure of a baby on a white horse um, waving a red flag and the sun is massive in the background and we've got sunflowers everywhere. So I feel like the high priestess, there's an energy of like pregnancy as well or thinking about pregnancy, planting seeds, um, wanting to, I think it's more, I, the vibe I'm getting is like, this is someone who is so used to mothering everybody else in a way that they haven't been mothered that they'd like now to have a child of their own. So it's, and, and I feel that energy so much, like that's what, um, I think I had kind of growing up, although I didn't even think really that, you know, I'd had space in my career for a child. Um, when I was pregnant with Lev, it kind of, everything started to kind of fall into place that yes, my energy to want to um, bring forth um, change and, and beauty and wonder, this is this was the moment and this is the time you know and this is the energy that I get like now the focus is almost on yeah I want to have a child of my own or maybe you do already have children and it's kind of like yeah I should probably put my focus on them more um rather than because you know sometimes some people have this perception um this um this way that they present themselves where to the outside world like they're ready to do everything for everybody but in their actual home they're not giving of themselves as much so maybe it's a time to turn the energy back to your home life um stop being the mother to the internet and performing mother to the internet and actually go and be a mother to the physical children that you have or be a mother to yourself yeah you might not even be a case of talking about um, actual children now but reparenting yourself from reparenting yourself in a way that you feel like your inner child wasn't parented so now if the sun is being looked at in terms of oh you know this is speaking to your inner child the sunshine that exudes from within you then this is a process of you not just performing healer, not just performing high priestess to everybody else outside. Use that healing energy to go and heal your inner child and your inner wounding. Um, so then when you appear as the high priestess, you're appearing in all of her glory and you're able to do the work that the high priestess does and do it from a place of integrity. Um, the next card that comes out uh, <laughs> is the, from the... Uh, the uh, message from your angels deck is Rosetta. And it says here, you have a gift for working with young people and your divine purpose involves helping, teaching or parenting children. If I, I can't even shout. I can't shout because sometimes you must think like, oh, she must just pull these things and puts it together. Trust me, I don't even have enough time to do all of them things there. Like the cards just come out for themselves and I just have to thank spirit for using me as a vessel to bring it through. The additional message is children respond to your open-hearted nature. You're also charmed by their straightforward honesty, laughter, and innocence. In many ways, they engage and heal your own inner child. Oh my God. You seek to give these children that which you desired when you were young. Come on, God. Wow. You also feel an inner calling to improve the lives of children. And you may wonder about the best way to proceed. I'm with you as a guardian angel who delights in bringing you new opportunities to help children. All you need to do is notice the young people whom I bring into your orbit. Be your delightful self with these children and the rest will take care of itself. As soon as you're ready for um, an increased role, please say the word to me and I'll increase the number of lives you touch. Please be assured that I understand your
your temperament and I will only bring you situations that match your passions, talents and interests. You are a blessing to children everywhere. Look at that. And we're all somebody's children, you know? So that's the message there. Now, if you thought the tarot was over, there's a, set, there's a fourth pile. I picked a fourth pile and I didn't tell you that there was a fourth pile because this fourth pile is for somebody who either um, goes, oh, I can't be bothered with this tarot shit, which is rare, but or somebody who jokingly said, oh, there's three piles. Um, I want pile four. Here you go then, honey. <laughs> I won't always have a par four. Um, this is just for this week. I just felt to specifically have a par four for this week. Par four. The first card you get is the Ten of Swords. Ten of Swords in the Lisa Star Tarot deck is a dark black sky with pink clouds and swords, ten swords in a person and they're lying down on the ground and they've got their phone in their hand. You're exhausted. You are so, so tired. You are absolutely exhausted, yet you refuse to bring yourself off that fucking phone. You somehow feel like... You need to understand that nobody's indispensable, you know, all this that you think that you're doing for everybody else. Like, oh, I need to show up for the community if that's what you do. Or I need to show up at work because they need me. And oh, um, my partner needs me to do this or to iron his clothes or iron his socks or make dinner or my children. Fam, stop. Stop. Stop right, stop right now. Thank you very much. Go and give your body some human touch. Hey, you always on the run. Gotta slow it down, baby. Gotta have some what fun. Look at that. Spirit told me to sing that to you. Spirit told me to sing you Spice Girls. Um, but that's it. Gotta slow it down, baby. Gotta have some fun. Wow, I didn't. That just came to me. But. Gosh, I feel exhausted for you. Whew. You're tired. Put the phone down. Even if it's for, I don't know, an hour, two hours. Don't announce it to nobody. Just go and rest. Take a cup of tea. Huh? Take a cup of tea. Go and rest. And the reason that you need to rest is because justice card comes out in reverse. That this isn't balanced. This isn't balanced. Like what you're doing right now, like there is no balance to this. Like it's not working. This work life situation that you've got going on, it's not, it's not, it's not working. You're overexerting yourself. You're doing way too much for everybody but yourself. And it's stopping you from really being able to tend to the garden of your own life because the nine of pentacles comes out. So this might actually be an extension of a reading for someone. So you might've actually picked a one, two, three. Um, and this is an extra on top of that, but this is specifically, I felt like for somebody who said, aha, I pile four, even though they heard me say only pile three or, you know, pile one, two, th uh, pile one, two, and three, or they've gone, haha, don't, this isn't going to rock with me. I don't believe in any of this stuff. And that's fine. This isn't about believing. Yeah, this is about just being, yeah? No one's asking you to change your belief system. Um, so yes, the justice card comes out in reverse, um, Libra energy here. Um, it just comes out in reverse because 
you're 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 out of balance so therefore you're out of alignment and it's stopping you from being the nine of pentacles being able to actually see the beauty and all of the things that are around you the things that you've cultivated that have grown because nine of pentacles you're so fucking close to that ten of pentacles if you ever wanted to be there but the nine of pentacles they're happy they're content it's about being content but the way that lisa style has drawn it in this deck it's like we see an older woman and she's got a hat on and she's in her garden she's got tomatoes growing she's got some carrots in her hand um and she's just living life you know um whereas right now the ten of swords energy is like you're chasing a carrot on a stick when you could actually just go and have a bunch of carrots from your own garden of your own life of your own making you're chasing the one carrot that somebody's put on a stick and told you come and get that because that's the idea of success fuck that fuck them sticks and fuck that carrot fam you know like Tend to the garden of your own life is the message that keeps coming through. Other people will be okay. That's not saying, oh, you know, just throw them to the side and re reject them and, you know, fuck everybody else. But it's, it's really a time that if you keep going at the pace that you're going, you, it, you know, boy, you already know, innit? You already know, you know, if you get a warning. You only get so many warnings. Find time create time not even find it create time it doesn't have to be lots and lots and lots of time because sometimes people think oh what you want me to take three weeks off or two weeks off no so even sometimes just a couple of hours go and watch something that's funny go and do something else go and just you know take a bath like just do something else masturbate do something just do something else that that stops you doing this thing because for you to sustain the nine of pentacles energy where you are successful in what you're doing where you're happy and content in what you're doing there has to you have to learn balance and at the moment you don't have that balance who you are is that nine of pentacles energy that person that will grow old and um they will be happy and they will feel joy and they will have enough to see them more than enough to see them through and they've grown all of this food and they've grown all of this thing saying that you are going to be someone that enriches other people, you know, throughout your life and later on in your life. But to be able to get to that point, you really, really have to start learning the lessons now of balance. Yeah. The card that comes out with that is the angel Layla. And it says, spend time alone in nature, meditating about your desires and intentions. Ask the angels to help you gain a positive perspective. Um, it goes on to say, let me see, Angel Layla here. Angel Layla says, um, your life has been noisy lately and you need to escape into a place of natural tranquility. It's a time for you to be alone in nature, even if it's for a brief while. You don't need others' permission to take care of your soul in this way. Simply plan your sojourn and um, then follow through on those plans. Once you are alone in nature, allow your mind to wander wherever it wants to. Notice your thoughts and feelings and perhaps write them down. After a time, speak aloud or silently to the nature angels that surround you ask them to clear your body and aura of any stress that you have absorbed then meditate and pray about your desires and intentions prayers are amplified by the power of nature and you will feel very refreshed when you return home so that's that for this week courtyard with that fourth part but that's it that's that's the message for that so let's move into share your magnificence
Woo. So for this week's Share Your Magnificence, first letter is from a baby person who says, I want to share my partner's magnificence. My partner is Mika Onyx Johnson, a writer, actor and performer who is black, trans and magnificent. Mika's debut uh, play Pink Lemonade was massively successful at Edinburgh Fringe last year and has been optioned for TV adaptation. The play follows a the protagonist's journey through a relationship with a straight in inverted commas woman and encounters with other women who fetishize blackness and gender nonconformity. it draws on classic drag performance hip-hop poetry and british slash jamaican humor we are very hopeful that this much needed representation of black british working class uh, working class trans masculine experience makes it to tv screens because so many people do not see the uh, see reflections of themselves in their favorite shows also this show is a banger pink lemonade will be on at the bush theater in london whenever theaters are able to open up again mika isn't on social media uh, but the bush and queer house who represent um, mika will update their social media as and when they know more big love to mika also for supporting me so much this past year as i've had so many health struggles and had my fifth surgery the day lockdown was implemented in london and they've really helped me carry through this Mika and I listen to SYM together every Monday and the last couple of weeks he's cried after the tarot because he's connected to it so much in this wild business where white people are the gatekeepers to black stories. We are hoping this one makes it out there. Thank you for your generosity in making this podcast. We get so much from it. Also, we love Sadiq. (laughs) Sending you all the love, sending all the love to you and your beautiful family. A baby person thank you thank you thank you thank you i don't know if it was mika or my car so my apologies if it was the other um big up yourself big up yourself baby persons big up yourselves two slaps on your chest i can't wait to see pink lemonade um and i'd love to see it so i can review it on the podcast and the fact that it's been optioned for a tv adaptation we need it now we need it now we want to see more stories we want to see different stories we're so tired of fucking cisgendered hetero um sexual white people on our tv screens all of the time i'm and i'm and even skinny add skinny on top of that or you know we're tired of that let's see more let's see other people i know i think i saw someone that said they don't really like the word skinny so slim fine the fact is i just want to see different body shapes i want to see different genders um you know i i just want to see more i want to see you know um, sexuality depicted across the spectrum across you know i just i don't want to see all of this all of the time you know it's boring it's boring to me but um yeah so big up yourself that's that's wonderful and i'm so glad um mika that you have somebody that loves you so much that wanted to share that love um and appreciation for your efforts on this show i think that that's beautiful so i've got another letter before we go to the interview with uh, wendell pierce it says here um Hi, Kalechi. I have no nominations in this email. I just wanted to let you know that I finally used your link for ExpressVPN and it is life changing. In the 24 hours I've had it, it's helped severely with my homesickness. Um, This is Portia, by the way. I should have said it's Portia that's written in. Um, In the 24 hours that I've had it, it's helped severely with my homesickness and I feel a lot less fussed about lockdown and 
that's just from BBC iPlayer content alone. Due to HBO being dusty, but hey, that's the US for you. I could never join the convos people in the UK were having about the latest episodes of I May Destroy You. I felt a way that I had to skip through you and Sadiq speaking about it as HBO is a good five episodes behind, meaning I too was behind. Not anymore. Now I can listen back to that segment, spoiler free. I've already sent your link to friends and they're excited to jump on the bandwagon. Can't wait to rewatch Old Childhood faves and newer shows such as noughts and crosses from and now binge watching baby girl Portia (laughs) glad you are enjoying honestly they're not even sponsoring this fucking episode but that having these VPN things you can literally just do what you want to do and like watch all the shows you want to watch and I think that that's the best thing about it I mean if I could stay up late I would just watch my shows at the time that they come on in America, for instance, but I'm happy to just watch it the next day. That's, that's, you know, totally fine. But yeah, you get to see a range of stuff and and stuff. And even, you know, the apps like Netflix and all of them, man, if you just switch on the thing, you will be able to watch all the other Netflixes that everybody else has and watch your shows there as well. So don't, don't dull, go and do what you need to do. Um, but like I said, they're not sponsoring this episode, but it's another one down in my list. I'm sure they are. Anyway, anyway, let's um, talk about um, clemency. Let us talk about clemency. My word. It's directed by uh, Chinonye Chuku, who is a Nigerian American baby girl. And uh, it's written and directed by Chinonye and stars um, Alfre Woodard and Wendell Pierce and even Danielle Brooks is in it as well which was really nice to see her outside of Orange is the New Black that was really cute Uh, it's a great film it's a great film but you know me like I love films like Just Mercy and you know so Clemency was just right up my street in terms of um you know, content and narrative, because we do really need to examine a system that thinks it has a right to take people's lives. Um, And we're surprised that, you know, police officers then see black people and they're like, oh, I can kneel on their neck. I can do what I want because they feel like they're an extension of, well, they are definitely a part of, they're an integral part of that system. They're the ones that go out and find the criminals and then they put them into the criminal justice system. That's how all of this works. So they're just thinking, well, why do we need to go all the way uh, to wait, put them through all of that system for them to des- uh, you know, get killed through death row? Well, I can just kill them right now, you know? So the entire thing, needs to be like dismantled because it's all a fucking mess but watching clemency um it's 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 beautiful it's beautiful in the way that it holds you as everything kind of simmers it simmers there's no kind of like bash 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 boss no it's a it's a simmering discomfort um yet so many poignant bits happen. And that's really what I was discussing with Wendell Pierce. You know, like, I always feel funny doing these interviews because the way I'm raised, I like to call people like uncle or, you know, sir or mister. But, you know, I didn't do that this time. I just, because I just felt like, oh, well, these interviews, you just, you know, say their name. But then Wendell called me Miss Okafor for the entire time. And I was just like, have I disrespected somebody? But no, I think it was all fine. But, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful film and it's out now. Um, so you can watch it on clemencythefilm.co.uk. It, and yeah, check it out because it's it's really, really enjoyable. The final scene, fucking hell. The final scene is stunning. 
is stunning because it's so fucking uncomfortable. And Wendell talks about that um, as well. Just how, in terms of how it's shot, I really, really enjoy it because whenever we're in this, whenever we're in the prison, there's lots of lines. There's lots of lines. You'll see lots of lines. There's a focus on lines. There's a lot focus on kind of demarcation as well. So I think that we're looking at a black woman almost. We're thinking about her as how she's part of a system and she's not allowed to step out of line. And we're also thinking about these lines and how they confine people Um and, you know, how they're part of a system and how, you know, we say things, oh, it's not black and white. But then when we're looking at a system that disproportionately incarcerates and then executes black people, that's um, that's something to consider, whether it's truly a case of, oh, it's not black and white because it seems clearly like it is. So, um, yeah, you know me when I um, go into do these things. I always come with, I always come with the things, you know, you know me, I always come with the things. And I definitely had questions for Wendell, but he was incredible to interview because he, he just has so much to say. I could have talked to him forever, but you know, I only had a specific amount of time. You'll even hear me talk about it because I thought I had 20 minutes, but I ended up having 30 minutes. I was like, yay. So I talked to him about all of the things and yeah, you can hear us discuss it now. Hi, Wendell. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Um, thank you so much. I won't um, keep you at all. Thank you so much for um, agreeing to speak with me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, so first things first, um, I just want to say how much of a big fan I am of your work oh, from The you. Wire. I think I've watched The Wire like five times um, from beginning to end. Oh, and you. and I saw you twice at the uh, Young Vic Theatre. Oh, wow, yes, yeah. Last summer yeah. this time. Thank yes, you it, it's just your acting is phenomenal. I fully, fully stand. I just, I, I admire your work greatly. So it's an honour to be able to chat with you today about Clemency. Thank you very much. And... The honour's mine. <laughs> and um, I'll just launch straight in then. I noticed that with a lot of the work that you do, they, mm. they, there is a social narrative to it. If it's not um, Robert Zane in Suits, because I watched all of that, um, The Wire, um, like I said, Death of a Salesman that speaks to like, I guess the um, American experience or the illusion of the American dream. There is a lot of social commentary that goes on in the work that you choose to do. So I just wanted to kind of ask, is there a process to that? How you go about making these choices as to these roles? Because we see the same thing in clemency as well. And what is saying about society and and the death penalty. I'm very fortunate in the fact that um, people see me that way uh, sometimes. And so uh, I get the offers from projects that will, um, that, uh, will have a social uh, justice uh, bent to them. Um, you can go through my CV and see there's some really awful, silly, uh, <laughs> all, really awful stuff. Um, mm. So it's by good fortune that uh, the work that is actually most profound and, and, and important actually gets the attention that it does. So it's by the nature of the good work uh, that it gets the attention and thereby uh, giving me the attention of, and the reputation of picking stuff like that. Uh, mm. I, I try to because I feel as though that's the role of an artist. It's the place what thoughts are to you when you lie awake at night and reflect on who you are, who you hope to be, your failures, your triumphs. Mm -hmm. um, 
with thoughts are to the individual theater art all art forms is to the society as a whole is the place where we collectively mm. think about who we are who we hope to be decide what our values are mm. then act on them and so i always feel as though that's the responsibility of artists it's this place when we reflect on uh, uh, the barbarism of what is um, executions uh, mm. and uh, do they reflect our values and who we are for those considerations is not something to be just considered uh, alone. It's something we need to consider collectively and, yeah. uh, and then and decide what our values are and move towards uh, something that I hope will be a lot more um, civilized. There was a time where this wasn't even a part of the consideration. We see you. Ms. Okafor did it, string her up, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah. public executions were commonplace and acceptable. And we've mm -hmm. evolved from that because we collectively decide that those are not reflective of our values. I still think we can go further, and hence my participation in a film like Clemency. Yes, no, and I, and I think that that's so wonderful because you, you, you talk about the fact that as a society, we have evolved, that's how we see it. Um, but racism has also evolved, you know, because I was, yes. when I was prepping for um, talking with you, I was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I'm looking at stats for America, seeing that since 1976, um, black people have made up 30, African-Americans have made up 35% of um, the executions only, but they're only 12% of the population. Of the population, absolutely. And you, and you know that that is proof positive of systematic racism. Mm. And, what I tell people now that in the midst of this great protest movement and time that we're in, we have captured the zeitgeist of the world. Mm. Um, understand that I think it's tilting at windmills and a false, a false pursuit if we're thinking of trying to end racism. Mm. Right? That's not the pursuit now. Right? Right now is to capture this moment to change policy and structure of institutionalized racism so that that structure does uh stops uh the damage that it's doing i'll decide and deal with your heart and mind later i'll do that in yes. the theater right but i want to put policies in place and destroy the infrastructure of institutionalized racism um that uh, puts a prohibition to mass incarceration mm. uh uh uh, uh uh, uh, criminal executions because yes. we know disproportionately we are affected by that yes. and understand the history. When you go to change the infrastructure, understanding the history, which is, mm. this is the same thing. People always say, well, what does that have to do with the history of the enslavement and the transatlantic slave trade? I said, because nothing has changed. It's the same mm. thing. It just from generation to generation, it's amorphic and it changes into something new. Slavery yeah. turned into Jim Crow. Jim Crow mm -hmm. turned into mass incarceration. Uh, yeah. The 14th, the 13th Amendment. The Amendment, yeah. Right? Gives us all of our freedoms. It ended slavery. You will have all of your rights as a, as a citizen of the United States, and you not deny them whatsoever. You cannot be enslaved, except if you have a criminal record. Yeah. And that exception, that loophole, then gave those who did not have our best interests at heart, I can't enslave them. I'll come up with a systematic way of always having 
uh, uh, putting, a, putting them in a criminal record, putting a criminal record on them. And so therefore, I'll be able to take away those rights the way I did before, prior yeah. to emancipation. Right. And so when that everything. wasn't working, then we said, OK, let's let's do Jim Crow laws. We have the rights as a state to do something from the federal government. So in the state government, we can separate, we can take your money, we can misappropriate. And so then we had to fight the federal government to say, you oversee that civil rights laws, change that. And they said, all right, well, cool. Now we're going to come up with mass incarceration. We can call it the drug war. We're actually going to bring in the drugs. The CIA brought in the drugs for yeah. Ronald Reagan to finance his war with the, uh, the Sansonistas. Yeah, and, disbanded uh, the Black Panthers. Right. Yeah. Right. So you bring in you bring in that and you say, hey, we're going to put in the drugs and then we're going to criminalize them. So we're going to bring so much drugs in. We're, we're going to know exactly where to go to get the drugs, to criminalize them, to arrest you. You found drugs. And then all of a sudden we're going to make sure, oh, crack is more prolific, uh, prolific in, in the black community. So we're going to make the charges on crack 10 times greater than that for powdered cocaine, because that's the drug of choice for the yeah. elites and, and, and white suburbanites. So it's by design. It's not by chance. Right now, police brutality is heightened because they have a thing called qualified immunity, mm. meaning a police officer only has to say, I feared for my life. Yes. Yes. And that because they have an immunity that is, is greater than any of our uh, humanity. Uh, right? Anybody else? Uh, yes. Right? Yeah. And so, therefore, so all of those things are a, a part of an ongoing fight. So it's not, the question isn't, will we end racism? Will we continue to be as vigilant as we need to be as you fight a chronic disease, just like mm -hmm. cancer? It's, we have to fight cancer, this cancerous, metastasizing disease that is killing us mm -hmm. and put it in remission and then ever vigilantly make sure it stays in remission. So when it pops up again, because cancer does that, mm -hmm. we're able to put it in remission again. So that's the way I'd like to think about it. People have always asked me recently, well, where's the hope and all? I said, man, I'll consider that when we stop this shit right now. Yeah, 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 I have to, yeah. I have time to think about. I said, you know, we change all of these laws. We put some of this stuff into place. We change some of the infrastructure of organized racism and structural institutionalized racism, mm -hmm. then when we do all of that, then we can sit down and be reflective on our work and then talk about the hope. Talk about hope. We need to survive right. first to have hope, right? Right. So to talk about hope now is a distraction. I'm yes. sorry, I talk too much. It's over no, no, that's amazing. That's because you're, you're passionate about it. And that's what I love rather than, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, you're <laughs> passionate about it. And that's, that's what means the world to me. And this is what Say your mind. all about. You know? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm about. I'm effing and blinding, swearing all up and down because I'm so passionate about, um, you know, like you say, societal change, but one of the And we have unity. It's me... not just a U.S. thing. We're yes. celebrating the, 40, the 40th anniversary of the Brixton uprising. Right. Right. The same issues. Last summer, when you saw me in the play, two of my colleagues were stopped there in London. They didn't believe wow. that it was his car. Martin uh, and, and Binghay. And, yeah, and, this, and Femi. Femi, yeah. This is, but this is what we find over here, though. And that's what I thought was even interesting when I did watch Death of the Salesman, because I, but I know what Britain is like and how we don't really like to talk about race, because I just thought, yeah, we're talking about this as, you know, Willie Loman. I know we're talking about clemency, but we're looking at Willie Loman and we're looking at this um, 
a black man playing Willie Loman with a black family, the, you know, he was well liked. What does that mean when we're looking at how black people are not liked and how they're not meant to attain the American dream? I felt like they could have- And the denial that Willie Loman was in, not seeing that he was being crushed, his individualism, his soul, his spirit was being crushed because he was uh, was embracing an idea an idea that meritocracy was going to work for him. Yes. How self-destructive that is and how, how the individual is crushed by that false dream. Yes. That uh, is given to so many people when the system itself is doing everything to make sure that you don't achieve that, the dream. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I loved it. I was ranting and raving about you on the show when I did, you know, when I came to watch it both times. And I was saying that, you know, even the insistence that Willie Loman said to him, you know, I want you to, one of his sons, I want you to work. Um, he wants to work on the land. And he's like, no, I want you to get a job. I want you to be in an office, things like that. It's interesting that he, he's, he felt like his liberation was going to be still working the land a reversal of where everything started so right. then it brings me to thinking about you know it says you were born in new orleans in yes Louisiana. that's where i am right now yeah oh, wonderful mm-hmm. oh but being you know being at home being in that um, environment the amount when we look at Hur- um, hurricane katrina which i know that you had an initiative for mm-hmm. as well there there are systemic things that happen and i know we talk about you you know, hope isn't right now, but how does one fight the exhaustion? Because that's what we saw with um, Bernadine Williams, your wife, you know, Alfie um, Woodard plays your wife, and your Jonathan Williams. She is exhausted. He is exhausted. Yet they keep playing. Well, Jonathan doesn't want to play anymore, but they keep playing as um, pawns in the system. How does that play out for an individual? What happens is an individual has to be... um very vigilant and protective of their um, not only self-worth, but well-being. And that is what Jonathan is saying to her constantly. We were going to step away. We were going to retire. We're going to just enjoy this life together and understand that your value and your worth is not just in this job that you do. And no matter how detached you may think you are, You are not. Mm. And it's not only having a a destructive impact on your life, it's having a destructive impact on our lives Mm -hmm. and our relationship. Mm. The metaphor that we see when I read The Beginning of Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison to my students, you're seeing an artistic metaphor within the film that says that we have become the invisible man, that we have Mm. become nothing, that we have no impact, and we have allowed this systematic, barbaric racism to -hmm. destroy who we are as individuals and as lovers. And to see me reading that to this next generation, it's a a cautionary tale. It's almost telling them, don't be me. Don't fall victim to this the way I have fallen victim to this and the way our relationship and Bernadine has fallen victim to this. Know your self-worth and know uh, that you have to be vigilant to make sure that you aren't, you don't lose your individual nature and you don't lose your soul and spirit uh, in, in, in the name of something that we know is barbaric. And for every person that we have killed who is innocent, 
because we know this is the fact we know we have executed people who are absolutely innocent mm. because that was before DNA evidence. And every year we are releasing people who we find out after DNA has uh, exonerated them that they weren't uh, the person who committed the crime. And even if they are the person that commit the crime, what makes us any different in taking exactly. a life, coming up with a rationale to take a life? They had a rationale. We thought it, was, it wasn't worth it. A robbery, a hatred, a jealousy and a jealous rage, uh, some perversion, sexual perversion. All of those are rationales that we don't accept just because we like, oh, we put them to trial and we put them through the court system and all. All of a sudden, our rationale is some sort of civilized way that justifies taking a life. There's no justification for that. No, the barbarism of um, uh, civility. You know, th this was something that, you know, it was even the crux of the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, we're going to bring you civilization. You guys are savages over there um, in Africa. We're going to come and we're going to like uh, rule out and make little countries of right. your continent. And we're going right. to teach you civility. Um, right. And we're going to take you then and take you over to the Americas and, and, and do whatever the hell. And give you and some civilization and give you... <laughs> exactly, while you build... A religion that our... we have no respect for and yes. all of that, yeah. Uh, so it, there is so much, there are so many layers to it. And I think it's interesting that you even mentioned as lovers, one of the... I love the poem of The Invisible Man. That stuck with me. The hope, as we talked about, on the students' faces as well, like they still have a chance to not be sucked in by all of this. But my favorite line was when um, Jonathan is talking to Bernadine and he says something like, um, I, I want to be whole and I, and I want you to be whole, even if right. that means you're not with me. Not, not with me. Oh. Yes, that's, that's real love. That's real love. Yes. You know, that's just, that's real love, which is real love is when you say that I want the best for you, even if that best does not include me. That's like courage. Courage is not acting in the face, uh, not acting in the absence of fear. It's acting in the face of fear. That's true courage. I am mm -hmm. still fearful, but I will do something about my, yeah. my present situation. And that, that's true courage and that's true love. And the thing that empowers you is the fact that there are those who have gone before who have given you, who have given you that opportunity mm -hmm. uh, and, and, the, and the viewpoint of, um, of how uh, you can manage your way through these difficult and dysfunctional times. Mm. You know, uh, there are those who have gone before when it comes to the protest movement, when it comes to individual love. I think of, I think of Ozzie Davis and, uh, and Ruby D, who were famous African-American uh, theater couple um, uh, actors who, mm. who talked about the trials and tribulations of their 70-year marriage. You know, to say there were times that I had to let her go or let him go uh, so that he can be his whole self and allow himself to come back to me, you know, yeah. emotionally, you know, even though we may not have divorced, to emotionally come back. And that's what you see with uh, Jonathan and Bernadine, that he's trying to say this is dehumanizing and is crushing not only to the victims, Mm -hmm. Those are the victims of the crime the, the, and the victim of uh, this execution. But everyone who touches it, everyone around it, it destroys their humanity. Yes. And we cannot let that destroy our humanity. And I would hope that you would see that. And if, 
you can't and I have to step away. I hope that my stepping away allows you to see it and allows you to be happy and be whole. Yeah. And that's what Jonathan is saying. And that's true love. It is. It, it really, it kicked me in my tummy when I saw that. I was just like, oh God, that's so mature. <laughs> I don't have that maturity. But um, no, <laughs> no it, was, it was beautiful. And I know that my time is up with you now, I think. You have you have more time. You have more yeah! time. You have you have ten more minutes. Thank you so much. Okay. I have it, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. So then um leading on from that question, um what struck me as well was the power dynamics. Let's look at the power dynamics um of uh Bernadine for the fact that it's a woman that's running this this right you know, this thing, this machine. That's and it just shows you the ignorance of Hollywood too, because uh, they would say, oh, wow, that's such a unique interpretation, having a black woman run a prison. There were five just in the region that we did our research in, five black women who are wardens, yes. right? So this idea of perpetuating the mythology of, uh, of, of, of exclusion in Hollywood, oh, mm -hmm. we would never see a black woman as a, warden in the prison exactly. we've never seen that in film all of a sudden now this is the first time uh but yet in real life there are so many yes so, go on you were saying about the power and yeah but that's that's exactly it for me i saw it and i just thought oh and i've seen something similar when i was watching um orange is the new black and you know they mm -hmm. try to have a and she, she couldn't survive and it's the same with bernadine she cannot survive in this system because i guess that something calls you back something calls you home especially with um Anthony looking at the process, knowing almost that he's innocent in that situation, right. but being unable to do anything about it because the process has already started. And even when we, you know, we see moments where she's trying to show him grace, right. it, it still doesn't carry through. But there's that dynamic and there's the dynamic of whenever we watch films, usually it's usually the woman yearning for the man come back to me come to me. But here we see a quietly yet um, decisively loving husband that does put an ultimatum on the tr table. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I want right. more of you. Um, and I, to me, that is different to see that play yeah, out. Absolutely. I, absolutely. That was one of the things I loved about it. First of all, just to see black love. Yes. The demonstration of black love and the sacrifice that people will make for black love and knowing mm. that uh, I'm doing everything possible to lift her up and have that change of power dynamic. That is because of Chinoye. Yes. Our director. Uh, now it shows you why we need more women of color at the yeah. helm as producers, as writers, as producing uh, films that will actually depict a more, uh, a more true um, example of how we live our lives. You know? Yeah, a nuanced says, reflection. Oh, we want diversity. Actually, I say diversity is syn uh, synonymous with truth yes. you know you know our yes. world is not just all white male dominated you know yeah mm. yeah the power structures have been that way and we have to fight that continually but you know this idea of uh, of, of seeing something different is actually seeing what is truthful and to see that power dynamic switch is because you have the insightful of a black woman yeah. who is producing it and writing it and putting the Nigeria. story out there, right? Yeah. To show, you know, Ms. Okafor. <laughs> to show her, you know? Yes. So, oh, there, that's me. 
Yeah. You know, here yeah. I am. Uh, and I, I never get to see me. And that's it. I, you don't. You don't get to. You don't get to see that. I, you got to see Bernadine trouble. She couldn't sleep, and you know she'd startle at night. And Jonathan is there. Um, there are so many things in that that I related to when you're carrying the world and you're feel you feel complicit in a um, in a machine that you're unable to stop. And then, right. so it's playing on you, playing on you, playing on you, and everyone around you is just like you know you can step off at any time, and you're like, but how? How and if I step off, who comes in my place to continue? Right. And if I step this off, thing? I lose her. You know. Yes. If I step off, I lose her, and if I lose her, then you know, I can't take that chance until he goes. I have to. Mm. I have to take that chance, or because we're both going to be lost if I don't take a chance of stepping away, and maybe she will come. I always hope that at the end of the film, she comes to me. Right yeah. after that moment of the the cathartic moment that she has at the end of the film, which is, mm. uh, I I just want to say you have never seen a a shot like that, no, of Bernadine and to see uh, to see Alfred Woodard go through an amalgam of different emotions, this roller coaster, in a single shot for a long period of time. The director having the the trust of leaving. I think that is one of the one, uh, a historic shot in cinema, mm, a historic shot in cinema. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and when you see a single, a single shot and see the trust of a director to leave it just as a single shot of this character going through the roller coaster of emotions that she's going through. And then to see, it uh, demonstrated by one of the great actors in our generation, Alfred Woodard. Uh, that moment alone is historic. Uh, it's never been seen before. Uh, I would put it on par with the, the, the arrival of Omar Sharif and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, famous, the opening of Goodfellas, that long uh, yeah. tracking shot that... Uh, that uh, Martin Scorsese did, and uh, that cathartic moment with Bernadine, Alfred Woodard, the acting, and then the direction of the trust to leave this one shot open for a long, uncomfortable length of that time. That is the word. That sends all the audience through the same roller coaster that the character is going through, and it just shows you the power of cinema. It's it's incredible. That final shot, I was just like, um, I'm uncomfortable, but I had to then interrogate myself as a black woman as well. Absolutely. I was faced with another black woman's pain and I'm always, you know, cussing people out on social media that why don't you want to see black people's pain? Why are you so desensitized to black people's pain? And we go on right. this absolute journey with her, as you say, through her eyes, through the quivering of her lips, through the just, there's a, there's a whole story that's told in, in her face that it's, like you say, the amalgamation of the journey that she's made throughout when we see her drinking and drinking. And I feel like there was a simmering thing there with her colleague as well, but we, it, it brings us to this whole thing and this crescendo and the crescendo is actually just in her face. Right. And, and I the stillness was so, of the shot. It's so yes. amazing. And, and to me, that is like, uh, uh, at the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, the, the freeze frame, the true uh, yeah. um, uh, the Children of the Balcony, uh, the Truffaut film, uh, when he turns and looks in the camera, it, to me, it was uh, a part of cinema history. Uh, I, yeah. really, I really encourage people when they see it to know that that is so seldom done. And it, 
shows you the power of what art and cinema should be, which is there, but by the grace of God, go I. You automatically put yourself in the shoes of that woman. Yes. Right? That's why you go to the theater and turn off the lights and we sit there. So we can see ourselves reflected in the journey and the story of the characters so that you then go, how does that impact the way I see life? Yes. What are my, what are my, what is my value system? Yes. What am I going to, what am I going to change or what am I going to uh, 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 even, you know, exacerbate even more in, 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 in who I am and who my character yeah. is. You learn from it. It's Entertainment is just a byproduct of the real work, the real transformative thing that happens when you see a piece of art, you really are reflective of your journey on this earth. And that's yeah. what you do. You put yourself in Bernadine's shoes and you go, I, I, I can't, I could not do that. And no. to know that that is happening, I can't, I can't abide by that continuing. And so yeah. that's what I hope for clemency that when people see the film, they, then look at themselves in the mirror and say, what am I going to do? What is going to be my contribution in this dynamic, this paradigm? Yeah. How am I going to change it? You know, so mm. it's so, yeah. it's so wonderful. Doing? I'm so proud to be a part of it, really. No, I, and that's what I, I saw you in it. And I was just like, of course, of course, the great is also there. All of the greats. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. This yes. is amazing. And Aldous gives an amazing performance to Aldous Hodge. He's amazing. He's amazing as um, Anthony Woods. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. The entire cast, um, Danielle Brooks, like everyone. Uh, that, scene, it's, it's... that scene, that is another example of, oh, talk about love. First of all, it, God, I think about that scene and I, <laughs> I have to hold my head. I go through so much. It is the greatest, it's one of the, it's one of the most wonderful demonstrations of love, confession mm. of love, and the, how the pressures of the situation are so destructive of that love. Yes. And one of the greatest betrayals. Right, <laughs> that, Oof. but some uh, that I born out of love, given, born out of love, a betrayal born out of love, uh, that someone chooses to give up that part of something they oh. would never have done no. if it wasn't for this situation. For this wasn't system, for the fact that this system is telling us that we're going to put this man to death, and so one of the greatest betrayals of like, I am going to deny the love that we have. I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to make it a clarion call for us mm -hmm. that you identify and know how much I love you. Mm. And then after that, for my own survival, I have to betray that love mm. and detach myself from you. Oof. All in that one scene. And that was just superbly acted another facet of black love another facet of black love so we see yes. that exploration through your yes. uh, jonathan and bernadine and we see it through the them. uniqueness of black love is the fact that there are pressures in our relationship as black people that aren't in others relationships we have all of those things that you have in your relationships all the challenges of your relationships but then to have the systematic institutionalized racism that also impacts it you don't have no you don't have and to overcome that is to stay together and to be to come 
That's what I mean by black love. The union and the destruction of that union by outside forces that is unique to our coming together. Experience, yes, our experience. yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's That's good to see you again. It's good to see you again. <laughs> and I hope that you'll be back in London soon, like blessing us and the stage. I don't want the ceiling yes. to fall down. Um, you know, just everything right. to be wonderful. Yeah. Yes, I, I hope to be there by the um, at the beginning of the year. Uh, I'm going okay. to be shooting Jack Ryan. Again oh yeah. From, from London, we're going to be based in London. Uh, I'll so be an extra after this pandemic comes to an end, or we control it. Uh, Soon enough, we'll be back. And then hopefully back on stage doing Richard the Third. Whoa. So okay. got a scoop there. Yeah, so, Oof. Yes. I'm going to be ready. Watch. I'll be an extra in Jack Ryan and I'll be in the audience for um, Richard the Third. I'm going to be everywhere. Just Fantastic. there screaming. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful Bye. weekend and uh, cook some wonderful jollof. <laughs> I shall. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> Especially the bit when Wendell said I should enjoy my jollof. I was just like, what? <laughs> but when you've been working with a Nigerian American, um, you know, director, he'll know all about jollof. So big up jollof rice in it. Big up jollof rice for being out here in these streets, like worldwide traveler. Bop, 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 bop. Yes. But um, it was just, it was an honor. It was an absolute honor to um, interview Wendell. And he told me about Richard III. Did you hear that? I got the scoop. So not only am I giving you range, I'm also giving you scoops, fam. Yes. So, I mean, I do feel a type of way that he didn't really confirm whether I was going to be an extra in Jack Ryan, but I think we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll work that slowly. But it, no, it's just that it's a big fucking deal for me to be able to do these interviews with people that I admire, especially someone who I just think is a great actor. I just think he's brilliant. From when I saw him in The Wire, I've just... I just think he's fucking brilliant. So it was um, great, great, great to, uh, you know, chat to him about that. So anyway, let's move into So You Mad. I've got a letter, I think. I've got two letters, but I'll start with... Which one should I start with? Start with this one. Um, Hi, Kalechi. Thank you for the podcast. It's the first thing I listen to on a Monday morning and it's always quality I came across this BBC article on the future of global fertility rates, which predicts that the world population will more than halve by the end of the century. It goes on to list the challenges this will present, notably an, um, an ageing population and the lack of a young labour force to support it. It touches on possible solutions, including immigration, and points out that at some point there will be a huge demand for immigrants with not enough to go around. For the most part, it appears to be simply a factual account of a global issue until you get to the what about Africa section, which comes out of nowhere and hits you like a speeding train. The article goes from stressing that the falling uh, fertility problem will be a truly global one, giving the impression um, a global one, leaving no country untouched to somehow giving the impression that Africa will be the one exception, churning out millions and sending them all over the world. I was peacefully reading the article until this bit, which definitely gave me too many damn blacks vibe am i my am i mad or is this bbc article mad i think it's the latter but i welcome yours and your listeners thoughts well i read it and 
they go on they, with a lot of these things they go on and they explain everything and they you know they put all of these stats and they put all of these graphs and you're just like okay fine yeah you know cool then they just try to slide it in sneakily and say what about africa the population of sub-saharan africa is expected to treble in size to more than three billion people by 2100 um and the study says Nigeria will become the world's second biggest country with a population of 791 million. Professor Murray says we will have many more at people of African descent in many more countries as we go through this. Global recognition of the challenges around racism are going to be all the more critical if there are large numbers of African descents in many more countries. Now, you know, I mean... Write what you want to write. But to me, I don't like the sentence. Global recognition of the challenges around racism are going to be all the more critical if there are larger, if there are large numbers of people of African descent in many more countries. Almost as if like, oh, once those blacks arrive, oh, once those blacks arrive, we're going to have to discuss whether how we can carry on saying that we're tolerant because we definitely don't want to tolerate this number of them showing up all over the place. Definitely don't want to do that. How many of them can we kill? Oh gosh, how's this going to play out? Yeah, I agree with you. SK, I get the vibe, the kind of too many damn blacks vibe. And it's like, can you guys face your fucking front and leave Africa alone? You can't have a conversation without mentioning Africa. You've got all of the things to be dealing with to mind your own business, but no, no, no. What's Africa doing? What's Africa doing? Like you can't, Africa stays on your mind rent free instead of you to give us money for all the time that you were living in Africa rent free. Yeah, that's what we need right now. Gilan Kinuani has a brilliant thread that I read the other day where she just talks about the fact that she sees very little point in differentiating between slavery and colonization because they are very horrendous violences, but it's because of the way that um, Europe and America like to use language. They almost like try to make it, differentiate it in a way as if that this violence wasn't like this violence. So yeah, you you know, there was the transatlantic slave trade and you took every um, one to these places and you mistreated them and subjugated them and enslaved them. Yeah, you did all of that. But then when we've got colonization, it's like, oh, well, you know, you know, we're just over there. We just sent over some troops just to watch over them. Meanwhile, you're you're just taking everything. You're just taking everything and um, killing the people. But you can distance yourself from that. Like these countries, France, Britain, they can distance themselves from it because it's just like, oh, well, it happened over there. And that's what makes a lot of this very, very um difficult because it, even with um the slave trade as well like oh well that happened over there well america can definitely not say that and that's why they're having to face um their reckoning and there's even more to come but britain can try all of them things there and be like oh all of these things happened off our island so it's easy for them to play with the psyche of the british public and be like but what's what's everyone talking about huh who who, who said that who said that so they think that they can get around it that way um, and dis, um, kind of the word that uh, Gillan used was um, kind of um, displacement, Take, taking their shadow self, taking their the, all the, their the things that they've done, placing it elsewhere, and being like, "Oh, that's not us. That happened over there." But it, it is you. You're the, you're the person. You're the people that sent those 
send those troops over there. You're, you were saying rule Britannia, Britannia rules the seas. What are you talking about? And so now that you have a com- Commonwealth, what is a Commonwealth other than a group of countries with Stockholm syndrome? Please. I don't have time, Jerry. But yeah, no, I definitely agree that it gave me um, the two damn blacks vibe um, as well. Anyway, next letter says, hi, Kalechi. This is my first time writing in and I feel both excitement and nerves rumbling in my tummy. Wow. I first learned about your podcast through your interview with Kimberly on YouTube and I've been an avid listener ever since. Welcome. Thank you immensely for being true to you. There's lots to be said, so I'll save the rest of the guessing for closing remarks. Thank you kindly. I work as a receptionist for a high-end condo rental somewhere in Ontario, Canada. So I interact with a variety of humans, good and bad, mostly annoying. Last week, I encountered a subtenant who was having a disagreement conflict with his tenant. At some point, the police got involved and they called over a retired cop to help resolve the issue. He was an old white man. The police eventually peacefully resolved the issue from what little info I was given with the help of the retired cop. At some point, this retired cop informed me that he had made an agreement with the tenant and he would and, and would be moving into the same apartment with the subtenant, uh, that the, which the subtenant just evacuated for reasons I don't care to recall. Fast forward to my next shift. I'd gone out to grab dinner on my break and put up a pre-made back in 30 minutes sign. Upon getting back, I ran into a co-worker. He was friend, he has friends in the building and he informed me that he saw an old guy take one of the office chairs at the desk to use as a trolley to move items. I was confused, but not bothered because it wasn't the chair I was using. A few moments later, I saw the retired cop from the day before roll back the office chair. I thanked him for returning it and I kindly asked him not to do it again because one, It's rude and taking property that doesn't belong to you is thievery. I didn't actually say that. And two, we're in the middle of a pandemic and I don't know what the heck your hands have touched. In response, this man made the excuse that I should cut him some slack because he's a retired cop. If I wasn't before, if I wasn't annoyed before, I was infuriated now. He never apologized and proceeded to wave it off like I was overreacting. After my encounter with this man, it really dawned on me that there are men out there walking through society that think they are untouchable even worse feel like they have a pass to break rules and move through society without repercussions for their actions and it's only worse when these men hold a position of power you don't even have to look far to see it what in fresh hell is the trump family doing posing with a can of beans in the fucking oval office and you know he won't be punished for it trump the retired cop jeffrey epstein and so many other men white and black alike just love to claim their privilege as a right the worst part is they think they deserve it he and every other male in the world um, in the world are so you are my so you mad nomination in closing i truly thank you for being consistent and open with your growth as a baby girl and mostly for being unapologetically kalechi your vim boldness and lack of fucks given has totally given me the much needed courage to be true to myself in every space especially this season i always say to myself that you are my spirit animal you've helped me feel comfortable in experiencing and expressing my anger and frustration whenever shit gets to me and i channel your energy whenever it's necessary may you and your loved ones be uh, be forever blessed in jesus name with gratitude your fellow ebo baby girl bop 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 ibokuenu hey yeah so um 
it's interesting actually being Ibo. This is how I come off tangents. The um, indigenous language um, of the Ibo people, and I think it's the uh, Efik. But anyway, I was looking at it um, in Sibidi. I was looking at it, and it's fun. It's sad, not funny. Sad that you can't find so much about it. I've ordered a book to learn more um, because it was a. It was a, It was drawn in symbols, and I found my name, um, my first and last name, as the symbol, and I want to get it tattooed. So I've been trying to find a black woman tattooist to do it for me. It's very small, very simple, but I just I want that. Um, but yeah, uh, I just want to have some more of a connection to my Ibo heritage because people who know me would say I'm very much like Yoruba because of growing up with my mum and that, but just trying to link the parts of my heritage and my lineage through little things, um, as I go along, but back to your letter, baby girl, I'm scared that that cop even lives in the building. I'm, I, I don't know. The whole time reading that, I just thought this retired cop living in the building, I fear for any black people that live there as well, especially black men or boys that live there as well, because this kind of entitlement that they feel like, oh, I can just grab the chair and wheel it over there and do what I want. Why, well, how is the chair even practical as a, as a, as a mode of transportation for your goods? how but you just want to do something you just want to show that you can walk into the um, into the letting office or whatever help yourself to bits and walk out why are you in the why are you in the letting office why are you in that area you saw the sign back in 30 minutes what the fuck are you doing in the area but so th- th- it's just the idea that he's now the 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 person with the most authority in that building that bothers me that's what really really bothers me like or in that community, yeah, it's it's really fucked. So I'd say keep a close eye on him because it is disrespectful. And it's kind of like, oh, I can do what I want. I'm a retired cop. <laughs> Don't you know? I'm a retired cop, so I can do what I want. You can't do what you want. Whether you're, just because you have a penis doesn't mean you could just do what you want. And then you've got a cop badge and a penis. Oh my God. You know, stop the world. Stop the world. We've got somebody with a penis and a cop badge. Gosh. Nah, I agree with you. Fuck him. Fuck him and fuck Trump and all of them ones. Like, how the fuck is, what's her name? Um, Ivanka, or is it posing with a, a can of beans? You're not allowed to advertise anything in a White House, like, or endorse anything. What are you doing? But they don't care because these are just they're they're they are hyper capitalists, you know, so they can't be told anything. And you know, whatever, I hate them all. Can't stand them. They're all a mess. Absolute mess. So yeah, that's that. I saw um where did I see it? I saw somewhere that um Monique is Monique, you know, the comedian, she's suing Netflix and the federal court has denied Netflix's second motion to dismiss Monique's lawsuit. And I'm kind of glad, you know, whatever comes of it, I'm just glad that they didn't dismiss it again and say, oh, she doesn't have a ground to sue because she's claiming discrimination. And I think that they're just like, well, you have to prove it because we've got, we've given other black people deals. So what's your problem? Um, It says here that a federal judge has denied Netflix's second motion to dismiss Monique's sexual and racial discrimination lawsuit, citing bias in Netflix's decision to pay Monique less than other comedians um, for a proposed comedy special in 2017. In the 2019 suit, Monique cites that Netflix 
Um, Netflix's offer of $500,000 pales in comparison to the millions of dollars the service has forked out for other comedians' comedy specials, including Ellen DeGeneres, Dave Chappelle, and Amy Schumer, among others. The suit alleges that Netflix's mistreatment included a discriminatory lowball offer and ended with a blacklisting act of retaliation. Um... The judge agreed with Monique's assessment of her situation with Netflix, saying that Monique plausibly alleges that after she spoke out and called the initial offer discriminatory, Netflix retaliated against her by shutting down its standard practice of negotiating in good faith that typically results in increased monetary compensation beyond the opening offer and denying her increased compensation as a result. Um, yeah. Let's see how that turns out for her, because like I said, I'm glad that they uh, they've let her go ahead with the lawsuit. But I don't I mean, you're going up against Netflix and she's gone against so many other black, notable black people. that I think that they will lend themselves to support Netflix. I feel like that's how they're going to paint it. Sadly, so they're going to paint Monique almost as the angry black woman. Like, look, she's even falling out with her nigger friends. Look at her falling out with her nigger friends. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how to feel so much about that. I'm mean, like, I'm glad that, you know, a judge has um, agreed, but I think that this is just going to make Netflix go ham, um, improving that. No, 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 we didn't do anything wrong, but let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. I just thought I'd share that bit because I saw it. Um, then I saw that Megan the Stallion, Megan R. Stallion got shot. And it made me really sad to see some of the memes and the tweets about her being shot jokes that people wouldn't run really if it were a black man you know but anyway uh, Megan wrote on um she wrote on uh Twitter she says well she put it on Instagram first she says firstly she talks about never being arrested that was how all of this started and everyone found out like oh my god Megan was shot she says the narrative that is being reported about Sunday morning's events are inaccurate and I'd like to set the record straight on Sunday morning, I suffered gunshot wounds. When she said wounds, I said, yeah. As a result of a crime that was committed against me and done with the intention to physically harm me, I was never arrested. The police officers drove me to the hospital where I underwent surgery to remove the bullets. I said, bullets. Hey, I'm incredibly grateful to be alive and that I'm expected to make a full recovery, but it was important for me to clarify the details about this traumatic night. I'm currently focused on my recovery so I can return back to my life and back to making music as soon as possible. And I just, you know, pray that Megan is okay. Like Megan doesn't trouble nobody. She just minds her. Like, what is all of this? Eh? What is all of this? It's, oh, it's, it's, mm. But, you know, you see when people just don't want you to flourish, they don't want you to grow. Because what? Is it because she wants to leave the the Dega Dega um, uh, record label that she was with before? I don't know if it's linked. I don't know. But it's been alleged. So, but uh, I don't know. But I just think for me, it's not so much how everything came about, but everyone's reaction to it that kind of got me. 
And that's why Megan came back online and she tweeted, black women are so unprotected and we hold so many things in to protect the feelings of others without considering our own. It might be funny to y'all on the internet and just another messy topic for you to talk about, but this is my real life and I'm real and I'm real life hurt and traumatized. And I thought, yeah, and I saw someone else make the comparison that this is exactly the way that people behaved with Breonna Taylor. Like, oh, when it's black girls, we can just, you know, we can just run these jokes. It's fine. And that's why you're not seeing people coming with energy to really, I mean, lots of people are, don't get me wrong. People are speaking out, but we're not seeing the same energy for Breonna Taylor, for instance, that we were seeing for George Floyd. We're just not seeing that because somehow it's just like, I think that deep down in people's psyche, they kind of believe that black women were made to suffer. So it's not a big deal. I mean, oh, you know, this is happening to black women. Sure. Right. Well, you know, it's not a big deal. Like people expect suffering for black women is pretty much what I'm saying. Um, Not that black men have it easy. I'm not saying that um, by, you know, in um, any manner, but it's the fact that patriarchy will still serve them in the sense that, oh no, we need to get justice for them and so we all go out marching and we want change and we want justice but when it's um black women it's kind of like mm, well i think that there's just this thing that we don't speak about enough and it's just kind of like this inherent belief that well you know black women can handle it or black women you know they're made to suffer or what do they do because there's the vilification as well when it's black women that misogynoir is kind of like well you know, black women are kind of rude and black women do do this and black women do do that. Something that we don't do when it's concerning um, black men. We don't, we don't talk in that way, but for some reason it's okay for it when it's, um, when it's us, when it's black women being talked about, it's like, oh, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll sort it out. And that's how I feel about um, Megan's situation. Like, what do you mean bullets? What do you mean wounds? Like, nah, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's very, very smelly, very, very smelly. And um, I saw on Twitter as well that the Women and Girls in Politics CIC, they they tweeted that they tracked 25,688 abusive tweets sent to women MPs. Half of them were directed at Diane Abbott. I just need you to take that in because this is still this in the same vein of what we're talking about. The the mistreatment that dark skinned black women receive in society is global, global. So of all the the women MPs, of all of them, Diane Abbott receives a fifty percent half 50 percent of the abuse. So twenty five thousand six hundred and eighty eight abusive tweets. She's receiving half of that. Her one her alone. But now should, um, Diane Abbott have any mental health, um, issues and concerns, but as a result of this, where will the empathy be? Where will the sympathy be? Nowhere to be found because it's like, oh, people don't sit down enough to question why they feel this way specifically towards black, black women and specifically towards dark skinned black women and how it's just allowed to run, you know, it really, really bothers me. It really, really bothers me that this is where we're at and not much is being done about it. And she just has to suck it up and keep going. Mad, absolutely mad. I say it all the time, like even with my tweets, if I was a light skinned girl, if I was a mixed race girl tweeting the things that I tweet, the energy wouldn't be the same. And you all know it. If it was a light skinned girl or a mixed race girl that had this podcast talking about the exact same things that I talk about, 
the energy would not be the same because people would welcome it because there's something about that. There's something about not being dark skinned black woman. There's something about that that just makes people think that, well, of course she's angry. Of course she's bitter. Of course she's this. Of course she's that. While definitely, um, um, you know, these black women, lighter skinned black, uh, black women experience, experience misogynoir too. There is a different level when it comes to people who are darker. There definitely, definitely is. And uh, there was going to be a chapter in my uh, book proposal, actually, that was called The Darker the Berry, the Sweeter the, uh, the, the Deeper the Abuse. Yeah, well, you know, we'll see what comes of that. I haven't bothered to kind of um, delve into that any further. But Diane Abbott, you know, I'm so sorry that these absolute uglies keep trying you in this way and i pray that you are protected always and same for megan megan you're a qe you're a qe and you make you know bomb music please stay safe because people are mad out here very 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 mad so that's that bit for so you mad um so yeah i guess i can get into straw of the week aka suck your mom so this week for straw of the week, I'll start with a letter. I've got a letter here. It's funny because this letter, I love when you um, guys finally decide to start writing into the podcast because you you write in frequently and I enjoy it. I mean, I honestly, I enjoy getting the emails from you and stuff, but it always takes that first time once you don't, once you pop, can't stop. So yeah, once you write the first time, I get the next message. So this is funny that this is someone who wrote in and then straight after wrote in again, like literally wrote in straight after again. And they said, straw of the week, a post-mortem straw. Hi, Kelechi. It's me again. Hope you're doing well. I wrote this email the same night I sent my first So You Mad nomination. I realized on my walk home from work that there's much more on my mind that needed to be said about Mr. Epstein and the fuckery that was slash is his case. Everything still circles back to male privilege and in this case, specifically white male privilege. So my straw of the week goes to Jeffrey Epstein and every single person that aided in his ascent to Thanos level... Thanos level power. Watching the Netflix documentary, Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, was the most gut-wrenching thing I've forced myself to watch, followed by When They See Us. What became apparent to me is that Epstein couldn't have risen to the level uh, that he did without the help of the community around him. There were so many people who willingly gave that psychopath access to every resource um, person and power no human should ever have. From whoever thought it was a smart idea to hire a college dropout with zero certifications to teach at a prep school, to Alan Greenberg, who hired and promoted him at his prestigious broker firm, which gained Epstein a reputation among the rich, to Stephen Hoffenberg, who hired him into his Ponzi scheme corporation, thereby growing his wealth, which eventually aided in establishing Epstein's relationship with um, Leslie Wexner, former CEO of Victoria's Secret. And finally, to Epstein's partnership with Leslie Wexner that gave him all access to young models and women all over the world. A huge straw goes out to them all, especially Epstein as he lays six feet under. May he suck his mum eternally. The white patriarchal system enabled Epstein to commit horrors to those girls and 90% of the world is ran by it. Every single one of those of these relationships contributed to Epstein's rise to wealth and influence. They gave him access to leverage over hundreds of powerful world leaders, which he gladly used to slither out of jail time 
time while he was alive. P.S. Extra gigantic straw goes to Alexander Acosta, former U.S. attorney and secretary of labor, who was basically bribed into giving Epstein a prison vacation and re-traumatized the, um, and re-traumatized the victims. And of course, um, Ghislaine Maxwell and every police force who chose donations over the safety of 50 plus underage girls. Fuck them all. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> Thank you for that. I agree. Straws for them. Straws for them. You get a straw, you get a straw, you get a straw. All of you fucking dickheads, you all get straws because the lives of young girls just do not matter to any of you and you could just feel like you could do whatever the fuck you like. So wherever Jeffrey Epstein is, he can definitely be sucking his mother there. Absolute var man and everybody else that you mentioned. Um... So I've got a straw uh, for Islington police, but my straw, yeah, I've got a straw for Islington police. So there's a video that's, um, that came out that showed that um, a, a police officer in London kneeling on the neck of a black man as he was trying to arrest him. There were two white police officers trying to arrest this black man and they were kneeling on his neck. Um, Sadiq Khan obviously has come forward and said, oh, this is really, really terrible, but I'm glad that they've, um, what's he, what did he write? I'm deeply concerned about this distressing incident. We have raised uh, this with senior officers at the Met Police as a matter of urgency. I welcome the fact that they have re- reviewed this so quickly and it's right that they have referred it to the Independent Office of P- for Police Conduct. Sure, sure, we'll see how that goes. It's, um, they wrote themselves, um, their Higgy Hagar, I read that and I was just like, mm, well, let's see how that goes because, uh, well, uh, Sadiq went on to say, an officer has now been suspended from duties. I look forward to a swift and thorough independent investigation with all decisions made public. It's crucial our police service continues to earn the trust of the communities it serves. Don't know how it's going to earn that trust. I've talked about them last week. Don't know how they're going to do that. But when people do suggest what they should be doing, they like to go the other way and they like to do what makes them feel best. Um, Dawn Butler, who I rate, Dawn Butler is a baby girl. Um, Dawn Butler wrote, knee on neck at Met Police UK, knee on neck officer needs suspending, officer caused obvious distress. Look at response when the officer removed knee, institutional racism. You cannot just say a black man, um, it gives license to stop every single black man use descriptive words, tall, short, etc. Um, yeah. So it's what well, I think it's one white guy and one East Asian guy that's holding, holding down the black man and they were need, um, and then the white guy's the one kneeling on his neck. Um, I, I really don't like these videos circulating, but I know why we need to share them. I understand why people share them. I just really hate seeing them because it makes me feel distressed. But at the same time, I did share the video when um, the same similar happened to my brother when they hooded him. I just, oh, I can't, I can't take it. But suspension is not enough for me personally. I want... Um, I want something to be done. He needs to lose his job. He can't continue to work as part of the police force. He needs to lose his job because, and, and the other police officer who was assisting him, they both need to lose their jobs because this can't continue. You can't, you, you, 
you have to be a fucking idiot. Read the fucking room, you absolute prick. Where there are marches happening around the world because a police officer was kneeling on the neck of a black man and killed him. And then you, stupid motherfucker, thought, you know, the way that you're going to be able to apprehend this man is to also kneel on his neck. Where is that written in your code of conduct? Where is that written that that's part of what you should be using to um, restrain somebody? Where? Fucking idiot fucking idiot if you're an idiot on so many levels but you're a fucking idiot for look at what's happening in the world around you are you so disconnected from what's happening in the world that you thought kneeling on the man's neck would be the best way to go about things uh honestly some of you are just fucking stupid fucking vile um so anyway uh i guess it happened in um islington because the islington police they jumped on twitter and wrote The Met's department commissioner has spoken of great concern over footage of an arrest after calls to to a fight in Alden Road, um, Alden Road, Islington, hashtag Islington on Thursday. The arrested man was examined by a doctor in police custody and pronounced fit to be detained and interviewed. Wow. So you just thought, you know what, we'll continue holding him anyway, even though we were kneeling on his neck and causing him distress. That was the first part of their tweet. Their second part goes on to say. The arrested man will appear in court charged with possession of a knife in a public place. He had been circulated as wanted on recall um, to prison where the index offence was grievous bodily harm. The IOPC has advised that they will be conducting an independent investigation. This is where I think that police continually miss the mark. There is no justification for kneeling on the guy's neck. There is no justification for kneeling on that man's neck. You have managed to apprehend and restrain white people who have been um, um, circulated for worse offences and you did not need to kneel on their neck. So you coming on Twitter to come and write, well, basically, this is why... No, no. And that wasn't striking us really in the video as, you know, these were people that were particularly bothered that, well, he could have had a knife in this place and that place. That doesn't explain anything. My issue isn't you arresting him or doing whatever the fuck if he's, if, if, if they circulated that you're looking for him and he's on recall or whatever. It's the kneeling on the neck because you would not do that. You would, it's unlikely that you would do that to a white man who you've heard that, oh, he has a knife or he's been caught before for grievous bodily harm and rare, 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 rare. You wouldn't do that. So coming on Twitter to come and write this thread, this two-part thread about, well, you know, it's as if you're justifying it. And this is why we continue to say that the police is inherently institutionally racist because read again, read the fucking room. Even if these were the things that happened, you coming online to write that almost makes it feel like, well, you know, blue lives matter. and We had to do what we had to do. This is not the time. You're just going to, you're, you're not helping yourselves at all. You're not. And that for that reason, whoever went on and wrote that tweet, you can suck your mum. The police officers that arrested um, this black man in that way, you can all suck your mums. You can all suck your mums and choke because that's clearly what you wanted to do by kneeling on somebody's neck. Yeah. So that's that. So my last straw of the week. um, Yeah, well, my last straw of the week. So a teenager 
didn't do her online homework, her schoolwork. So a judge sent her to juvenile detention. A 15-year-old in Michigan was incarcerated during the coronavirus pandemic. I need you to do that again. A 15-year-old in Michigan was incarcerated during the coronavirus pandemic. After a judge ruled that not completing her schoolwork violated her probation, it just doesn't make any sense, said said the girl's mother. Of course it doesn't make sense because, again, we're talking about a system that really, really hates black people. Like, the whole system was constructed as a means to oppress those deemed as other and that focus was on black people especially if we're looking at america and how black people have been used in america throughout the centuries so she didn't do her homework whoever even reported her for not doing her schoolwork you can suck your mother you absolute agent of the state you fucking idiot you fucking prick um so yeah it's it's my it's just mad to me that you know you could arrest her for that. She hadn't broken the law. She wasn't in trouble for fighting um, or, you know, for stealing, um, which was what got her in um, on probation in the first place. Um, but she was incarcerated for not completing her online coursework when her school in Beverly Hills switched to remote learning. Um Because of the confidentiality of juvenile court cases, it's impossible to determine how unusual Grace's situation is, but attorneys and advocates in Michigan and elsewhere say that they are unaware of any other case involving the the detention of a child for failing to meet academic requirements after school closed to help stop the spread of COVID-19. Of course, there there aren't any, or there'll be very, very few, of course, because this is something that you only use as a punitive measure for black children. That's why. And so that's why the judge can suck his mother because why would you go to that extent? And that's a worrying precedent to set because, um, or worrying precedents to set because we already know about the school to prison pipeline. We already know how black children, students are vilified and, and criminalized already in their school settings because of the um, racism that just lays there all the time in the minds of a lot of teachers, whether they realize it or not. So if you're now making it normal to send a child to juvenile detention for not completing homework, who is that going to be used the most against, right? Or be used the most against black children, therefore giving more, putting more children and black children into the system. So you have to see how this is sick. You have to see how the criminal justice system is the criminal. The criminal justice system is the actual criminal in all of this, and it makes me sick. So the judge that sentenced her to juvenile detention, you can suck your mother for an eternity, for an absolute eternity, and for five lifetimes to come. Um, the t- school that reported her for not doing her work, you can suck your mother's too. Anyone who had a part in that, you can suck your mum's too, because this is disgusting behaviour. It's absolutely fucking vile, and they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. So... That's that for this week's episode of SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, suck your mum. You can follow me on at Say Your Mind Pod at Collection of Cough. You can support the podcast on uh, patreon.com forward slash Kalechi Okafor. Um, 
And yeah, that's pretty much it. I hope that everything I've said has resonated with you, has made you laugh in some bits and has made you think in some bits, you know? That's what I'm here to do. Um, yeah, and that's, yeah, that's me, man. That's me. I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sippy here Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Could let you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind